All of our early maps, they had to be hand-drawn. With my PhD thesis, I had 20 big maps to colour in by hand. Of course, if you excuse the pun, nothing is set in stone. The real great disadvantage about making those maps is if next year you decided you wanted to revise the map, if the revisions were serious enough, then you had to just literally start again. Welcome to Polar Podcasts, where you'll hear stories from geologists who've spent their careers, their lives, exploring and studying the remarkable and remote geology of Greenland. Why did they become fascinated with Greenland? What were the problems and the discoveries that drove them? And what was it like working in these remote places, where few people venture, even now? I'm Julie Hollis. In this last episode of Polar Podcasts, we hear more from Alan Nutman, Professor of Geology at the University of Wollongong in Australia, about his lifelong passion for making geological maps, focused particularly on the Nuuk region, where he has spent decades mapping some of the oldest rocks in the world. So I have a love of making geological maps. I have a love of being able to walk around and develop the understanding of the geology. The geological map is where the different types of rock where they occur are indicated. You can not only show what the different types of rocks are there, but you can also provide a whole lot of other information that you gather when you're actually walking around. It can be, for example, something particular about the minerals that you see in that rock, and so on and so forth. There are, of course, modern remote sensing technologies, which can actually be very remarkable in delineating some things that the human eye cannot uh, see. However, when it comes down to the real basics of what rocks are here, what rocks are there, still nothing beats actually being right out on the ground, walking around and recording what you see. Nowadays, of course, because there is GPS technology, which was actually another invention of RSES. RSES is the Research School of Earth Sciences at the Australian National University, where Alan was based for many years. Where even with extremely cheap instruments, you can know your position on the Earth to within one metre. So that, of course, is an amazing thing because uh, you want to know um, not only what rocks you're standing on, but you want to be exactly sure where you are. When people were mapping in the 1970s, of course, that technology just simply didn't occur. It was basically, at that stage, a brainchild of somebody who was involved in developing it for the space program. But in those days, you actually had to work out where you were on the basis of visual comparison of an aerial photograph of where you were walking around and trying to fix yourself according to features that you could see on that photograph. So in, in that respect, depending on where you are, you could be, again, accurate to within 5 or 10 metres. If you're on a, a nice, complicated, wiggly coastline, you could certainly fix yourself quite well to say, okay, I'm absolutely certain I'm standing exactly here 
This is what the rock is. Of course, if you're in more featureless places away from a coastline, then the degree of accuracy was somewhat less. So that was one aspect of old-style mapping, is that you had to be not only geologically conscious, you actually had to be geographically conscious as well. Nowadays, you have to be geologically conscious, but you have a GPS which does the geographic thing for you. Also, once you have produced your geological map as an overlay on an aerial photograph by literally walking across the area and recording what you could see, you then had to manually transfer that off into a whatever best topographic map there was available at the time in order to make a, a proper map. So that was, again, a process which had to be done by a combination of science and art and come up with a map. I have a love of being able to make a fusion between art and science of a colour geological map that can try and express to people what is actually there. It is a fusion between art and science because, of course, what you put on that map should be scientifically as accurate as you possibly can be. But it is art because you've got to, via a combination of different colours and so on on that map, you've got to convey that information in the most intelligible way to anybody looking at the map. So, for example, you can make really awful maps by literally the choice of a wrong colour or colour densities on a map. So all of our early maps, they had to be hand-drawn, of course, hand-drawn in the field. And then you go through a process of compilation. That would again be hand-drawn. Generally, the compilation for doing your first published colour map would be done on basically a big sheet of, want a better words, tracing paper, drafting film with black ink, line work, you would then put that through something called a dye line printer, and then you would hand color the map. So I remember with my PhD thesis, I had four quite big maps related to my thesis. I had to do five copies of my thesis. Therefore, I had 20 big maps to color in by hand. But the real great disadvantage about um, making those maps is if next year you decided you wanted to revise the map, then if the revisions weren't too bad, you'd go back to your die line and very, very carefully scrape out all the sections of lines that you wanted to revise. You had to do it carefully because if you started to make any sort of irregular cuts across the plastic film, then if you started running another ink line across there, of course the ink would bead along those cross fractures. But of course, if the revisions were serious enough, then you had to just literally start again and do a new ink drawing map. So it was a very tedious business, but one did, of course, still manage to produce some nice products in the end. But there is a time, I guess, for all technologies to come to an end. And in the, shall we say, middle of my career, in the middle of Clark's career, 
digital production of maps, digital technologies were starting to become available to individual cartographers, geographers, geologists, rather than it simply being something only possible in very big organizations. And we'd, in the late 80s, after we'd come up with a terrain model, our first terrain geology maps of the Nook region were the old-fashioned ones, hand-drawn on the plastic sheet of paper. And then things were advancing so fast that we're having to repeatedly completely redraw the map again. And then it was Clark talking to cartographers in his university, heard about this program called Freehand. And then we decided the time was to shift over and actually digitize in Freehand. And so that is how we did actually start getting out of the Stone Age and into the modern age. So we were starting to produce these terrain maps of the region, and Ulla Christiansen of Nuna Minerals was very interested in it, and he suggested, why don't you actually try and make a digital set of 100,000 maps of the whole of the Nook region to replace the simply lithological ones, which are being produced by the survey. So he gave us a little bit of support to help with that. And out of that grew a series of our versions of the GIUS or GGU. GIUS is the Geological Survey of Denmark and Greenland, and GGU is its predecessor, the Geological Survey of Greenland. One to 100,000 maps of the Nook region. And then, I guess about five years ago, I thought, well, why are we reproducing these areas exactly of the official published printed map sheets? Nowadays, people want seamless maps. Okay, some people will print them out and have them nice on their wall, but largely, people are going to be looking at maps either on a computer in their office or even on a tablet when they're in the field. And as long as it's done with a good resolution and scalable, then it makes a lot more sense to actually have as seamless as possible maps across the whole area. And that's where we decided to actually make a seamless map of the whole of the Nook uh, region geology at the scale of 100,000. And to give you some kind of idea of the size of that, at full 100,000 scale, if you print it out, the map would be about two meters tall. So this was all hand-digitized, most of the clicking being done by Clark. So um, that is how the 1 to 100,000 scale seamless geological map of a whole of the Nook region came into being. It is a fusion of a lot of people's work. What you see in that map, it would have been impossible for us to do entirely by ourselves. So on a lot of the Maps, the lithological boundaries. The boundaries between rocks of different types. Have been mapped throughout the decades by many geologists who have been employed by GIUS, GGU, and so on. What we have done is, with a very large amount of geochronology we've done over the area and our new geological model, basically put our own slant 
on that by dividing all the geology up into these separate tonostratigraphic terrains proven via combination of field observation in many critical places plus also a very very large amount of geochronological data most of the geochronological data in the nook region it has been supported by the good taxpayer of australia and to a lesser extent the taxpayer in japan and in even lesser extent the taxpayer in Denmark and Greenland. So that is actually how that particular map came into being. Clark's involvement in the geology of that is 48 years. My involvement in the geology from the time I started at 19 as a field assistant has been 45 years. And of course, there's all the other effort expended by the contract mappers for the Greenland survey over the years. Of course, if you excuse the pun, nothing is set in stone. And actually in 2019, Clark and I, even though we're getting very long in the tooth, we are not giving up on map projects. And I guess probably our final things in our careers will be even more crazy than some of the early things that we did. We intend to make a geological map of the entire west coast in Greenland. My mother told me that even at the age of five, I was drawing imaginary maps. So obviously, there's something about me and maps, and I do enjoy making maps, not only for the sort of, shall we say, the scientific satisfaction of it, but I also want to be able to look at that map when it's finished as a sort of a balanced work of art as well, because a scientifically accurate map should also be a pleasure to look at. We have now produced a seamless geological map over the whole of the Nuuk region. That is a culmination of decades of work. It's something which really I can look up on the wall and I don't see it as a scientific geological map of course it is we've done our best stab at being accurate what i see when i look at that map is a whole lot of personal memories come flooding back to me i'm julie hollis and you've been listening to polar podcasts